welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. And I am David Bax. <laughs> Thank you for listening. David. Yes. What was that? <laughs> you just suddenly felt very, very formal and presentational. Yeah, you know, it feels... Uh, I know it's... By the time you're hearing this, it's March. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a new year to me. Absolutely. Because... Because award season is over, and mm-hmm. now we have a long six months until award season starts again. <laughs> um, so we're just out to sea right uh, now. Yeah. Uh, I do love award season, and I can't mm-hmm. wait for Telluride. I'm not going to Telluride, right. but Telluride is how, what, what I think of as the sort of unofficial kickoff of award season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, now we just have these doldrums where I have, uh, what I have, Comic-Con. Yeah. I've got my wife's birthday. Um, uh, I've got, I actually got a ton of funny, fun stuff coming up. Uh, I have a, I guess I get, now that it's March, I guess I should get on this. I've got a book coming out. Yeah. Uh, that I forget about. You just had a birthday. We you talked just had about a birthday. The movie journal, but happy birthday again. I'm, uh, um, presenting at the, not presenting. That's not the right word. I'm lecture. lecturing at the International Christian Film Festival. There's a. Very I don't exciting. think I don't think I mentioned exactly what this is. So uh, I've talked at the film festival for the last few years, um, but I had an idea last year that I pitched to them, and, and that's what they're doing. So there's this entire separate track at the festival called like the educational track, and it's and it's three days, and they just you know and they just bring in people like here's two hours about cinematography here's two hours about writing um and that was my idea so i and so it starts out with two hours of film history that's me one hour on film analysis also me and then i hand it on over to actual professionals and so that's what it is so it's going to be like and there's like limited seats like it's only 25 people and that's what they're doing at the festival very cool and so i'm very excited about it and i'm excited that uh that marty and the people over at the festival um uh liked my idea because it looked good on the resume all right um before we start and before we get to the ads i want to talk because you uh the last episode of this podcast was the Oscars uh, episode that you and right and, probably about thirty eight percent of the discussion was about the Oscars and the rest was oddly enough about Flash Gordon. Thanks, Ian. Uh, that's great. That's what you. That's, that's why Ian. That's why is you on get the show. Ian. Yeah. Um, uh, it's been you and Jason and Ian the pa- uh, Jason and Ian the past few years. Yeah. Uh, and so I am sorry to say I haven't listened to it uh, yet. Um, I'll, I'll get to it any day now. Sure. Um, but I do. I, I, and I, there's a reason that I don't do that episode anymore is I don't want to talk about the Oscars for the most part, mm-hmm. but I guess I do want to talk about green book winning <laughs> best okay. picture specifically in terms of, I, you know, I know on the one hand, I know that the Oscars in terms of artistic quality and merit don't really mean anything. Right. But what I've often said is that they do mean something in the culture. In yeah, it could be like a snapshot of something. Yeah, and yeah. so to me, I feel hypocritical on the one point being like, I don't actually care about the Oscars that much. You know, I, I watch them for the ceremony, you know, the, the, the pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. <laughs> um, pageantry is what I was looking for before. Um, uh, but I don't care who wins. And I feel hypocritical being mad that Green Book won, but I do think it feels like such a backwards-looking movie mm. that it feels like a bad <laughs> message 
<laughs> in terms of not about artistic quality, but just to have the people who are supposed to be, who are in this dumb gatekeeper position, mm-hmm. award this movie. Um, in my, uh, someone I know, um, uh, was saying, uh, you know, it's, I was madder. He, he was saying he was madder about these types of movies back when these were the only way that movies about black people got made. Right. But in the same year that you have like, um, what did he mean? Like black Klansman and black Panther and it feels mm-hmm. straight talk also like in the conversation, yeah. it feels less stinging to him. And I was like, yeah, but this is the one that won. And like, it, yeah. it does mean something even though the Oscars don't mean what they're supposed to mean or what they ostensibly mean. Right. I don't know if they're really supposed to, uh, what they claim to mean a best picture win does mean something. And it, and it felt, uh, I was surprisingly upset about this win. So, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I would say I was, ups- yeah, I guess I was on a, f- on a couple different levels though. One was, the political and cultural level. And the other was just the movie. (laughs) Like to me, you can boil it down to two good performances and, and some good chemistry. Yeah. That's what you can boil it down to. I don't want my best pictures to be boiled down to that. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm actually oddly enough more frustrated at the film's win for best screenplay like that screenplay is just what I mean nothing it's yeah. just nothing and so like it's picture I get it because that's where you're they're trying to honor the whole thing and also what it's trying to do and the way I look at green book like in a it, sorry I didn't say this last week because I wasn't thinking about it last mm-hmm. week I mean I certainly was but I've had a week to think about it yeah. and just like the idea of from a race relation standpoint, green book is, and I guess maybe I can't begrudge anybody this, but it somehow I still do. Um, green book is what is what people want it to want race relations to be like is what they wish it were. Like we wish it were, it were this easy to take care of. And just like, okay, that's, that's not terrible. Uh, wanting it to be that easy. The problem is that it isn't. Mm-hmm. And there are movies this year that addressed that, you know? Um, and so I think it's just, so I feel like from a cultural relevance standpoint, it falls short, but then as a movie, it falls short. It's just so there's no, it's done in a very straightforward way, which I guess is not a crime, except there's just something when I think of a best picture, when I think of like the best movies of the year now, granted they've my favorites very rarely, uh, win, but mm-hmm. I feel like there needs to be a certain kind of ambition to a best picture. And there it's why, you know what? I don't, I don't like the English patient that much, but it's ambitious. Okay. You I've, know, I've, it's, it's been so long since I've seen it in its scale and it's in its storytelling choices. Okay. It's actually pretty ambitious. I don't think it's that effective, but I at least say like, okay, that it, it at least feels like a best picture. Green book just feels like such a, pleasant forgettable film yeah all right uh, i'm sorry i did more of the to- more of the no I, I think i said my piece uh, okay. and it's late anyway uh why don't we pay some bills let me ask you this okay 
looking at the best picture, let's st- stick solely with the best picture nominees. Which is the film? Because I just mentioned the English Patient. Everybody agrees Fargo should have won that year. Okay. Okay. So, which do you think? Not necessarily you, but which one do you think is the one that history will remember as the film that should have won over Green Book? Um, that's a, that's interesting. Uh, my gut reaction is Roma. Probably Roma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my pick would have been A Star Is Born because that's the only Best Picture nominee mm-hmm. that was in my top ten. You didn't have any, right? Best Picture nominees in your top ten. No, Star Is Born was in my top ten. It was. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I feel like there is another one. But the favorite? No, the favorite was not in my top ten. Um, but I could have sworn there was another one, but now I can't. Black recall. Panther? No. Black Klansman? No. no. Black Klansman was an honorable mensch. Vice. For me. Vice was in my <laughs> top ten. I'm joking, of course. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. yeah no, I guess I, it would be it would be Roma. Yeah, I think right? Roma is probably going to yeah. be the one that's best remembered yeah. of these. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's always interesting, uh, and it's it's a constant conversation, and it's something that people actually. You know, I, I, I jokingly talk about the normies, which is like just people who don't think about movies the way I do. But there is a class of normie um, who are interested enough in film. And so they're usually the ones that that ask uh, which are the ones that will be remembered, you know, um, normies will say that sounds I feel like I'm being negative now. Regular people regular moviegoers, average moviegoers, uh, will ask like, Oh, what was your favorite movie of 2018? But then I feel like there's one step above. They'll be like, which movies of 2018 are going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always interesting to me. And now in the conversation of which movie will, should have won best picture, I think they'll say Roma as far as which movies from 2018 will stand the test of time. I don't know if any of them will, honestly, any of the best picture nominees you mean? Uh, yes, certainly any of yeah. the best picture nominees. Cause when you ask me just culturally, which movie from 2018 will stand the test of time game night, I think is a movie that is destined to be one of those. <laughs> I'm not sure how well, I think it did okay. Theatrically, right? Yeah, it did pretty well. But I think it's one of those movies that people are going to be watching again and again, uh, as, as the years go on. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Uh, my in-laws sent me an Amazon gift card for my birthday and, uh, I chose not to spend all of it immediately. Uh, so I bought a few movies and you know, I don't buy movies as much as I used to anymore. Yeah, One of the mer- movies I purchased was game night. Yeah. Cause I feel like I'm going to want to watch it yeah. over and over again. Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what is here and also there is movie who brought, who brings you this episode. Uh, movie is a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day movie premieres a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite or an, uh, acclaimed masterpiece. Sorry. Um, I'm laughing because I have been doing the old movie ad movie ad for so long. This is hard. <laughs> this is hard for imagine. me to do. Yeah. Um, Uh, so anyway, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece, a movie, uh, a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, there are always 30 different films to discover with movie. Each and every film is hand selected. So you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch than actually watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. Currently streaming on movie is Gregory Ratoff's black magic starring Orson Welles, who is also involved in 
in the direction. This is a film that I personally, even as a Wells fan, uh, was not really aware of. Um, his career as an actor is something that I'm woefully unfamiliar with, with a couple of exceptions here and there. Uh, but anyway, the story involves a poor French gypsy taken under the wing of Dr. Mesmer, who teaches him the secrets of hypnosis. The gypsy promises to use his newfound power to help others, but soon begins a ab- begins abusing his gift in order to steal money and forge a powerful reputation. Reading that, I am not surprised that that Orson Welles was involved in the production. Uh, I'm sure the minute he heard hypnosis and gypsy, he's like, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Uh, But anyway, so I'm actually very excited to to see it. Uh, And so for you, uh, the listener, you can try Mubi free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash Battleship. That's Mubi.com, M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship uh, for a whole month of great cinema for free. All right. Uh, and I want to tell you, I forgot we don't have another uh, ad there. Right. If yes. anyone, any listeners have any uh, project, we love to um, promote people's uh, passion projects, Kickstarters and Indiegogos and such. That's and, true. Um, yeah, and Tyler if, will give you definitely a very competitive rate because yeah. we enjoy being able to do that for people. That is, uh, yes, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I do, I'm always willing to work within somebody's budget. Yeah, uh, but I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. You see, tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great, they sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, oh, there were so many treats in music today. Uh, new song by Deaf Heaven, which I listened to a couple of times, some new Carly Rae Jepsen, which I listened to a couple of times. And then of course, because I always got to keep things sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Hollis from talk, talk died. So I've been listening to talk, talk, uh, a lot these past couple days, rest in peace, peace, Mark Hollis. Uh, your memory was, uh, done justice by the great sound of my tweetdario.com earbuds. <laughs> They're available at a low, low you price. Can rest easy. No one... <laughs> <laughs> They're available at a low, low price at tweetdario.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Speaking of people passing, mm-hmm. I have found myself... Um, surprisingly emotional over the past week about, um, someone that I didn't really know personally. I met him once Mm -hmm. and even then it was a group setting, but, um, you and I, we don't really go to see stand-up comedy as much anymore, but you and I were going to see stand-up comedy a lot at a time when I think, you know, we were talking, you were talking about like best picture nominees, what will be remembered. Mm -hmm. I think that, mid to late aughts era of LA 
you know, alt comedy, stand up comedy scene. Yeah. Like, I think that will be a scene, the type of scene that has, that is very seminal that has books written about it. That sort of, you know, movies uh, made, I think that's, it was an important scene. Um, and then, and it, and it, you know, and it got much bigger and, and it definitely yeah. spawned all kinds of things. But yes, this little, probably five year, maybe even less, uh, moment when it's when like podcasting started taking off, which actually raised the profile of some people, but only to a certain point. Yeah. Uh, and then like yeah. the smaller the, theaters like UCB, the UCB theater, opened in you know, LA in yeah. what? Um, Oh six, six, I think. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Uh, and there was um, so much community between the performers and the audience. Yeah. And so one of the, one of the people, I don't know if you've heard of him, you probably have this week because yeah. the news of his passing, we did mention um, him last week as well. Uh, Oh, you guys did. Okay. Yeah. Um, who was part of, I mean, I, I feel bad talking about the scene in the past tense. Cause just because you and I stopped, this guy was still working. A lot of these communities oh, are yeah. still working. A lot of these shows are still going on. But, um, Brody Stevens was, uh, one of the greatest, um, and most exciting and certainly one of the more singular, more unique, uh, members That's of that scene. Sure. And, and one of, you know, I've often said, and I, you know, I, I know I don't like to, I, I don't like to say this sort of thing, like make sure you see this movie in the theater cause not everyone has a chance. And so I feel bad saying this, but I've often felt that you don't really know who a stand-up comic is and what their art is and what their personality is until you've seen them in the same room. Mm-hmm. And I feel to go back to this scene that we're talking about, I feel, especially this week, I have felt incredibly lucky that I saw Brody Stevens yeah. so many times. I couldn't even count so mm-hmm. many times I've seen Brody Stevens, uh, live. Um, uh, I mentioned that I met him one, just once. Um, I used to go to, which is still going on in a different place, but I used to go to the tomorrow show every week, mm-hmm. which is midnight to the Steve Allen theater every Saturday night. Um, and it got to the point where, because of that, well, point, not anymore. Uh, as I said, I moved to a different place. Right. Yeah. Cause the Steve Allen theater, and it's the Center for Inquiry in general yeah. is just gone. Yeah. Um, but now it's at the uh, Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth Theater, mm-hmm. um, which has become a new hub, I guess. Um, I'm removed from the scene. Right. But, but uh, at this point, you know, Steve Allen Theater, I was fully scenester. You know, I'd go to the Steve Allen Theater for tomorrow's show, barely watch the show, mostly just hang on the patio yeah. with other comedy fans and comics. And so one time, I guess I was hanging out with someone who was friends with Brody. So he sat down and mostly dominated the conversation talking about baseball yep. and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It could have gone on all night because he's, I mean, the word, the, 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 the phrase, it's kind of a hackneyed phrase, but the phrase that keeps coming up in obituaries and remembrances for Brody Stevens is force of energy. But there's, that's, that term was made for him. Oh yeah. You know, um, uh, the other time, the other, um, Another memory I have, uh, a Brody related memory is that I was at the, there used to be a stand up comedy show called what's up tiger Lily. Um, and it was called that because when it first started, it was at a restaurant called tiger Lily, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist anymore. It's now, a uh, sort of a sports bar pub type thing, shitty food, uh, lots of good beer on tap. Um, and then tiger Lily moved to another building and was run by someone else. And every show would go three and a half hours. So I stopped going to tiger, Lily. but when tiger Lily was at tiger Lily, uh, I went almost every week and, one time and Brody was going on later that night. I stepped out back to have a smoke and Brody is sitting in his car. I don't know if he's maybe just amping himself up for his performance or this is just what he does. Cause he played the drums. Mm. He is, there's no music playing or anything. He's furiously playing the drums with drumsticks on his steering wheel in the car. And I was like, I guess that's 
<laughs> how how a Brody Stevens prepares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's and it certainly it certainly showed like the fact that he was uh, among the things he was known for was doing audience warm up. And it takes a very specific type of person to mm-hmm. do that. Our friend Jimmy Pardo uh, did did warm up and was very good at it. Like it requires a certain type of audience engagement and a certain type of energy. And similarly, similarly, I would say that like you can listen to Jimmy's podcast all day long mm-hmm. until you see him in the room. You're in the room with him. And you see him like interacting with with the audience. You're just like, oh, I had no idea. And at the very first part castathon, Brody was actually there. And so to watch Brody and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy interact was a ton of fun um, because that, was Brody there that night? Because yeah. I was there. Yeah, he was there. Because um, I probably met him then too. Because yeah, I was spent a long a long time talking about ice skating. Yeah, I didn't watch much of the show that night. Right, because you were helping out. I was helping out, so I must have. Talked because I talked to all the comics as they came in, so yeah. I must have talked to him that night too. Um, no, I forgot yeah. about that. And it was, uh, yeah, Brody was, and I, and I mentioned this last week. There was uh, years ago uh, he was scheduled to be on Battleship Pretension, um, and then I believe the day of he uh, got called to go do a, a, a to perform somewhere, and so he uh, called and was very apologetic and very nice. Um, and then we just kept not yeah. schedules didn't line up. He was also, he was incredibly busy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and schedules didn't line up and then it just didn't happen. And that is uh, definitely a regret because I think it would have been awesome to, to have him on the show. Cause he yeah. was also apparently one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. Yeah. Uh, but he's also, I say he is, he was, he, he passed away right. as you talked about. Um, and I don't know what to say about that except, that uh depression is a serious disease and if you know anyone make sure to reach out make sure to donate to suicide hotlines and uh just do it do what you can it's uh um it's it's a it's a monster but um the other thing uh, and i can i can equate this to something because not all of our listeners are comedy fans but i can equate Mm -hmm certain things about being a comedy fan to being a film fan sure. in that the more movies you watch, the more you start to realize you start to sort of change your expectation of what it means for a movie to be good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think the more stand up comedy you watch, the more you realize that having good jokes is not really the foundation, right? It's good to have good jokes, but having good jokes isn't the same as being funny. Yeah. And Brody had a handful of jokes that were very funny, mm-hmm. but he didn't really need jokes. He was funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and there's, I mean, it's obvious whenever there's a comedian that all the other comedians love, that means he has something, you know? Um, and, uh, clearly comedians loved, loved Brody. You've seen it in the outpouring, um, since then, um, he, uh, he, but he, he, he didn't have to have jokes. He, he had just phrases that he would say, Oh yeah. Um, or, or, or even not his, cause he had certain phrases, positive energy. Yeah. Yes. You got it. Yeah. Enjoy, Enjoy it. it. Yeah. Uh, which is something my wife and I still say to yeah. each other. And so much so we say it to each other so often that we've said it a couple of times since mm-hmm. last week and then immediately been like, Oh yeah. Um, the, but the other one that, 
this is very specific because another thing he could do is very very specific local references in one yeah i don't know i guess back in the 70s h salt fish and chips was a like a uh, american and canadian chain mm-hmm. now they're only in california i think almost only in southern california and one time are also at tiger lily uh, which has an eight salt fish, uh, eight salt fish and chips kind of, it's more across the street from the Steve Allen theater, but Tiger Lily was around the corner from the Steve mm-hmm. Allen theater in Vermont. Uh, there's an eight salt, eight salt fish and chips. And there was a heckler cause there were, you get hecklers at Tiger Lily all the time. Cause it was just a Thai restaurant yeah. and people would just like be there. And then a comedy show would break out and they didn't know what to make of it. And so you get hecklers. And one guy told Brody, Brody, there was something fishy about him. And Brody goes, who am I? H salt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one in North Hollywood's my wife and I say that whenever we drive past it. There is, um, I was, you know, I spent the week watching YouTube clips mm, of me Brody. too. Yeah. And there's one where he's in Seattle and it I would, watched that. Yeah. It would appear that anywhere he would go is like, all right, time to bone up on references about yeah. that place. And, and if nothing else, he would just list baseball players, but like, and it was just astonishing his ability to do that. And the fact that he would shoehorn it in so clumsily was itself the joke as well. Yeah. Um, and it just, and it looked like a guy trying really hard to ingratiate himself to the audience. Yeah. Oh man. But he could also, it was get, I don't know if you read that, um, John Roy story on Twitter yeah. about the, doing the benefit with all the agents who, uh, hated comedy, didn't want to laugh and him yeah. cracking the room open. That's his, his, his skills and his natural energy yeah. and talent, uh, and it feel, I, I don't like to speak in hyperbole, but I really don't think there will ever be anyone like Brody again. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. And, and similarly, um, this is, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, you know, uh, bring negative energy as he would often call people uh-huh. out like yeah. negative energy. Uh, what yeah. is it? Uh, arms crossed, negative energy, negative, <laughs> negative, yeah. just pointing to various people in the audience. Um, yeah. but, but that's the thing is there, there is, uh, that idea and it's not an uncommon one in, in any artistic circles that somebody who is that unique, uh, also sometimes has unique problems. Mm. Um, I was reading a a rather extended um, bit on, not bit, uh, just piece on Facebook by Robert Yasamura, who was talking about Brody. And he said that like, he was one of the funniest guys and he could also be incredibly nice, but he also felt like he was, even when he was being very positive to you, you felt like he was just a little bit removed and a Mm -hmm. little bit distant. And that Robert felt that he, uh, was actually very close with Brody, but that their friendship was also a little bit shallow, not to imply that Brody was shallow, but that he would only give so much, Hmm. um, to his friends. And, uh, and I could see that, you know, like he definitely had a persona and, uh, you know, it's in a way I remember, uh, I think on the commentary for the aristocrats, um, I remember Penn Gillette and Paul Provenza were talking about Fred Willard and they said Fred Willard went into character in the 1960s and never came out. (laughs) And that's kind of how Brody felt to me is like he was perpetually in his character, uh, which probably made him feel pretty lonely. Hmm. Not to imply it was fake. It's just a heightened version of who he, who he was, but I could see him feeling uh, a little bit lonely. Um, 
Well, uh, we should segue into what we're actually talking about because one thing we've danced around here, uh, we mentioned a lot of his catchphrases. Yeah, we, we, one of them, we, we skipped one of them. One of them kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, but but it's the the inspiration for this week's episode. The, so uh, Brody Stevens was from, uh, I want to say, Reseda, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he was very proud to be from the San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. and he would often say, 818 till I die. Yes. Um, and uh, you and I are both residents of the San Fernando Valley mm-hmm. in the 818, although I have a 323 number. Um, Sell out. Uh, <laughs> you have a St. Paul or a Minneapolis number. Fair right? enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but when I first moved here, I lived in Hollywood, which is in the three two three. So I got a three two three cell phone number and yeah. have just kept it. Anyway, but I'm very proud to live in the valley. I love the valley. Probably not quite as much as Brody did. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but um, uh, even he's from Reseda, but then he lived, I think, in Studio City because he would talk about Starbucks. Yes, Laurel Canyon in Riverside. Yeah, which is I've been to that Starbucks. It's not my Starbucks. My Starbucks would be Magnolia and Lancashire. Yeah, if I were going to do the the Brody Stevens thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Valley is great, and lots of movies are shot in the Valley because lots of movies are shot in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and but a lot of uh, there's a smaller subset of movies that actually take place in the valley so that yeah uh so we're going to talk about san fernando valley movies um a little bit today and i did i did kind of want to differentiate between movies that are shot in the valley Mm -hmm. but aren't necessarily supposed to i'm trying to think of uh um of a good example here uh see i only wrote down like the true valley valley movies um, but there are all kinds of movies that are shot here or like Reno 911, the TV show was shot, you know, it takes yeah. place in Reno, but it was I shot mean, almost exclusively in the San Fernando Valley. The office, it, uh, oh, was yeah. shot like anytime they go out, like they're in the Valley, the, the restaurant, the cafe near my house, uh, stuff that and the hotel are stuff is regularly shot there meant to double as yeah. the Midwest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Doubles as, as anything like if you're um, watching the hundred, if you're, if you're watching the office and you see characters eat at the hungry Fox, uh, that is on Sherman way in the Valley. Um, and hmm. it just, I guess they use that exterior because the hungry Fox sounds like something that would take place in Scranton. That would yeah. uh, be in Scranton, I guess. Um, so, well, if we're talking about neighborhoods, you talk about your neighborhood. Um, the first movie that comes to mind in my neighborhood, because one of the, the valleys, a lot of stuff shot here because a lot of it is kind of nondescript. Although once you've lived in the valley, you sort of start to be able to pick it out. Oh yeah. Um, but one of the few true memorable landmarks of the San Fernando Valley is in my neighborhood. And I'm, ca- I'm talking of course of the gigantic neon clown at circus liquor yeah. at the corner of Bur- Burbank and Vineland, yeah. um, which is uh, in my, in my neighborhood and is also, um, where Cher gets mugged in clueless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that clown makes that effectively, the sleaziest liquor store in the country. <laughs> I'd say that's uh, about right. Maybe. I don't know. I've only, I've only actually been in there cause there are, it's the Valley, which means even though that's close to my house, there are at least mm. three liquor stores between me. And that, right. So I, I don't go very often. I think I went, uh, I, uh yeah, I, I went once on the way to Goebbels old place. Um, yeah, but, uh, uh, so clueless is a movie that mostly takes place in Beverly Hills, right. but that, 
uses the valley as a location as a as a representative of a certain kind of uh everything that Cher and her family and her friends aren't which is basic i guess or Mm -hmm. you know um not rich i mean these the, the kids who live in the valley and through these parties are not poor kids at all. Right. But they are, they are a bad element to, <laughs> oh, sure. uh, from, from, uh, uh, Cher's dad, Dan Hedaya's, uh, point of view. And so, um, the valley as a location is definitely not, it's not nondescript and clueless. It is, uh, um, uh, it's a real location. <laughs> and I believe doesn't uh, circus liquor, uh, show up in uh, alpha dog as well i never saw alpha dog uh it's not a bad movie uh there's some interesting stuff going on and i seem to recall it being a a notable location i know uh, the um because there's actually a second circus liquor but the other one doesn't have a clown so people forget that it's there yeah but it's up at lancashire and uh where that el pollo loco is um is that victory lancashire and victory i think so um and that's in foxes which is a movie i haven't seen but Mm. when i was researching valley movies foxes shot all over the valley um but anyway that's just a little uh tidbit uh so um yeah you mentioned uh the office um uh i mentioned clueless what else when you think of the san fernando valley what movies come to mind because the first one is Magnolia. And I, and I just put, I didn't even put the first thing on my list. I just put Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. It's, that's the thing is like, there are three movies on my list that are from him. So I should just say Paul Thomas Anderson, but yeah, Magnolia boogie nights, um, and punch drunk love yeah. are very much Valley movies. Undoubtedly. Are, um, the, the, the like nightclub in boogie nights is the Reseda theater and Reseda, mm-hmm. um, the uh magnolia the uh uh the place where um hmm, sorry i'm getting uh, upsetting text messages mm-hmm. um the the place where uh uh john C. character loses his gun yeah. is just south of me um where mm-hmm. tahanga uh goes up to the uh the la river yeah. there um and which one uh punch drunk love i can't call it as many locations except for one major one that's also in my neighborhood okay which is le petit chateau where he destroys the bathroom yeah that that french restaurant is is in my neighborhood uh yeah i believe most of punch drunk love uh is in chatsworth i think that's like yes. where his his uh yes. like factory his is. factory is on canoga okay in chatsworth which yes. is that's a confusing thing about the Valley is that the little different neighborhoods and municipalities yep. will also have like, I live off of Burbank Boulevard, but I don't live in Burbank. Yep. And so, yes, uh, I looked that up today. Yeah. His, his warehouse is on Canoga, but it's not in Canoga park. Yep. It's in Chatsworth. Yeah. I live just off Sepulveda, not in Sepulveda though. <laughs> uh, and so, um, and that's, yeah, the, there's a, there's a bar that, uh, my wife and I love to go to that's on Van Nuys in Sherman Oaks. Oh yeah. (laughs) And let's not forget Sherman way, which just spans, uh, Burbank, North Hollywood. Yeah. That's the whole Um, Sherman way, Van Owen, the, those streets that go all the way across. Uh, anyway, we're getting too specific. You should drive on Van Owen instead of Sherman way or victory. Like there's always, there's always these little, it's that, it's that take fountain attitude. Like, which is which is true that yeah, like there are the major streets, but don't worry, a block north or south, there's a smaller street that will take you where you need to go, and it won't have nearly as much traffic. And I've found that Van Owen is that. And I think because I don't live as far north, you know, right. I don't, 
I don't have to go east west that far north. So when I'm going east west, right. I'm using Chandler or Moore Park usually. Yes. Um, instead of yeah Burbank or, or Vin- God, Ventura, uh, don't take Ventura, especially yeah, yeah. in Russia, are you? Uh, um, so yeah. s- speaking of the movie Magnolia and the street Magnolia, <laughs> okay. Um, so there is an intersection in Magnolia where in Magnolia uh, the movie in yeah. Magnolia the movie, um, and it is seemingly one of the cro- Magnolia and Laurel. But that's not where it's shot. It's shot at Victory and Laurel. Yeah. And they just replaced the Victory sign. And so it's just like, and my, my thought was, well, I mean, I guess that's a better looking, uh, intersection. And I thought, what am I talking about? (laughs) This is the Valley. There are, there aren't really better looking intersections at best. It's this is more what he had in mind. Yeah. It's maybe just logistics of where he could put a camera maybe or whatever. There's like a parking yeah. lot that he could use yeah. to park at the, the production trucks or something. Yeah. yeah there was some reason. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah. uh, but it definitely, I mean, and I used to live right at, uh, that not right there, but I used to live near victory, victory and Laurel. And, and so you lived in victory at Whitset. Now, if you went yeah. South on Whitset to Whitset and Magnolia, mm-hmm. Uh, you'd be at the Foxfire Room, That's which right. is the bar where, where William H. Macy hangs out. Yeah, with uh, Henry Gibson, who just yeah. takes over that bar through yeah. sheer force of will. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, Boogie Nights, The it definitely makes sense for it to take place in the Valley because the Valley is like the the hub of uh, porn. Yeah. It's, there's a website called Pornhub. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but uh, of, of like, it's like this it, like tube vivid? that runs <laughs> <laughs> between these two mountain ranges. Oh boy. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, like if you drive on, on Ventura, there's a building uh, in studio city that says like vivid and like vivid entertainment is a, is a, yeah. a porn company. And so, uh, so yeah, when, when, porn started to be produced like on video and that sort of thing. The, the Valley was where it was at. So if you're going to make a movie about the porn industry in the seventies and eighties, you're going to have to shoot in the Valley. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like, I don't know what it is about the Valley that appealed to Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, I think, Do you have any, I think he's from there, isn't he? Is he from, well, I think I guess he's that a would be my kid. assumption. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And so is, is Quentin Tarantino from the Valley? Or is he from the uh, South Bay? I don't remember. Anyway, because the, I think I feel like the first time that I was a, really aware of the Valley as a thing mm-hmm. was Pulp Fiction. Sure, when they're trying to get rid of um, uh, Philomar, what's his name? Uh, Marvin. Marvin. They're yeah. trying to get rid of Marvin's body, and they don't have. They're out of their own territory, and they're like, we don't have any connections in the eight one eight. That's when yeah. I knew that eight one eight was the uh, the area code. Um, and then, of course, that gets even more specific because uh, Harvey Keitel says we're going to Monster Joe's or whatever it's called. Monster Joe's Truck and Tow. Monster Joe's Truck and Tow, which is in North Hollywood. So we'll be going up Hollywood Way because I think Jimmy is supposed to live in Toluca Lake. Toluca Lake, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I love now watching it because it's like, yeah, that's that's specific. You would yeah. to get to North Hollywood or that part of North Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you would go up uh, Hollywood Way or... Or Vineland, but Hollywood Way, if you're going up there, yeah. uh, to get to uh, North Hollywood or eventually Sun Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, the Bur- I, or the Burbank Airport. Yeah, we know the valley. <laughs> yeah, we live there. That's but, the thing is, um, like, in the, like, I feel like Brody would love this conversation <laughs> because as we're talking about larger things, we're still name-dropping streets and landmarks yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's something, I guess... 
about to to get more not to not just listing movies and locations which right. i could happily do uh for sure. another, uh 45 minutes at least um what the valley means and i think i was gonna ask about that yeah the pulp fiction kind of gives you this the sense of it that like it's los angeles but it's not los angeles it, it, in fact Here's, I guess, to get more back into specifics and out of movies, that's actually true. People think, I think people think, people even live in Los Angeles in the basin on mm-hmm. the south side of the hills. Think of the San Fernando, San Fernando Valley as being the suburbs of Los Angeles. Yeah. But most of the San Fernando Valley is the city of Los Angeles. You've mm-hmm. got pockets like, you've got Burbank and Universal City and then um, some other, I think, uh, uh, San Fernando itself, I think is a little, it's own like city. Um, but most of the Valley is even all the way up to Silmar and like way up way North of what people who live in the Los Angeles basin think of as Los Angeles. You're yeah. still in the city of Los Angeles and yet it feels different. Like I live in North Hollywood. When I put my address down somewhere, I don't put Los Angeles, California. Yeah. I put North Hollywood, California, even though that's putting the name of your neighborhood, right. you know, that's like putting, Pilsen, Illinois, if you lived in Pilsen in Chicago, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that's just what we do because it has the, the Valley does have its own mentality and it kind of has within, within the city, the Valley has its own sort of second city complex Mm -hmm. because people don't think of us as being real Angelinos living up here. I do. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't even really say why I think this, but I've always felt that people that live in the basin view the valley as a sort of necessary evil where it's like we need somewhere to shoot, but also, but like regular people need a place to live. You know, <laughs> it's cheaper than the, than the rest of the, than most of the rest of the city. Um, and so, uh, and I know a lot of people who certainly in my neighborhood, I mean, this is not an industry neighborhood at all. And and in North Hollywood, it wasn't either Burbank and studio city and maybe Sherman Oaks, you start to get there, Mm -hmm. but like you get into Silmar, Sun Valley, like Granada Hills, like there's nothing, you know, uh, Granada Hills, by the way, drive. That's where the, uh, the pizza place, uh, Oh, and then, and then, uh, the, the, the Chinese restaurant at the end, the great wall is on on Sherman way. I've driven past it many times. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, there was something I was about to say about that. Now I forgot what it was. And when I say necessary evil, like, I mean, it just, do you know what I mean when I'm, when I say that? I think that's also a shallow, uh, there's a phrase. I talked about this recently. I know you love the movie Congo. Mm -hmm. I, don't I remember liking Congo that much, but I do love Roger Ebert's review of Congo, in okay. which he has one of my favorite turns of phrase, which is that false sophisticates will hate it, real sophisticates will love it. Indeed. And I feel like people who are maybe new to the valley or new to Los Angeles, which is a lot of people, because the entire like population of St. Louis moves here every year, yeah, or something. something um, uh, they get into that sort of because they've seen the movies where it's like where the valley is looked down on, you know. Um, and so they get into like looking down on the Valley. That's not real Los Angeles. People who are from here or have been here for a long time know that the Valley is a, not a homogenous thing and B has character all its own. It has a lot of great food all, all its own. There's great sushi. There's of course great Mexican food, but mm-hmm. you know, that's true of everywhere in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. But you've also got things like, you know, you've got these like, um, 
pockets in the basin of like you've got Thai town and little mm-hmm. Armenia right next to each other. But because of gentrification, there are far there are more Thai people in North Hollywood and more Armenians oh, sure. in in Glendale, Glendale, which isn't really the valley. Yeah. Um, it's valley adjacent um, than you do in Thai town or little Armenia. And so yeah. if you leave if you leave the basin and you, you can actually you get I mean uh, there are as many. Uh, nearly as many great Thai restaurants within a half mile of my apartment as there are great Mexican food. (laughs) And that's saying something in Los Angeles. The idea of people looking down on the Valley for whatever reason, um, that is absolutely true. I ran across this attitude, uh, a few days ago. Um, despite my teaching full time, uh, I also, I still drive for Lyft a little bit to bring in some extra money on the side. Um, and, I picked this guy up who seemed fairly friendly um, and I picked him up in the valley and I was driving him into Hollywood and along the way he because and he lived in Hollywood but he was visiting a friend in the valley and along the way he decided to start pontificating about people in the valley mm-hmm. and and he said he goes he's like what is it about the people that live here you know he's like they never want to leave. They never want to go anywhere. You know, they just want to stay in the valley and, and where it's nice and safe. And I'm, and part of me is like, I've only ever lived in the valley since I've been here, but, uh, I was tired. So I was just like, I don't know. So that's it. But I just had that thought of like, but that's also not true. We leave every day. Right. I don't work so, in the valley. So I don't know. I don't I go know to what movies. he means by that. But maybe except, that, that is the, that false sophisticate thing. Yeah, that that Los Angeles is the basin is cosmopolitan. Yeah. And the valley is the the suburbs. But it's it's, it's this it really I mean in the same way that like stuff is shot here because it can be kind of a stand in for uh middle America. Yeah. I wonder the Brady Bunch House in Studio City. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Los Angeles look, you know, a lot of people that live in Los Angeles and are in the industry, um, moved from elsewhere, probably cause they didn't feel quite so at home there. Yeah. Um, so they come here and then they see the Valley and it maybe vaguely reminds them of the suburbs, which of course we're told over and over again are just incredibly soulless and what, what kind of real person could ever live there. Uh, but then also like this middle America thing. And so it's almost like, it's almost like the Valley is viewed as people talk about it as though it were like the small town they came from. It's like, ah, nobody ever leaves, you know, they just want to stay in their right. little bubble. Yeah. And it's just like, it's still part of Los Angeles and it's still, uh, a lot of people live here. Yeah. And also we don't just stay in the Valley. I, know, I don't understand that, but maybe it's because, Maybe it's because a person like him is so resistant to going into the valley, he assumes that it's the other way, too. Yeah. Uh, Along those lines, I will say that's not a show I bring up very often, but in an early season of Entourage, um, where... the, the what's his name Vin, Vinny Chase Vinny Chase Vincent Chase yeah the main character anyway yes the 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 actor he uh, he's in Aquaman now uh-huh. and so he and his uh, entourage uh, pile into a car to drive into the valley and like check out like how it's doing uh, at various movie theaters. And specifically, uh, the Johnny drama character, he just loads up on bottles of water and they're just like, 
what's going on? And he goes, he's like, he goes, I'm not going into the valley uh, without hydrating first because it was like in the yeah. summer. And as he also says, uh, I don't know why I remember this so well, but he says, May or November, I don't go to the valley unless it's for work or sushi. <laughs> work or sushi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's um, funny because as they're driving in the valley, because for those that don't know, the valley does get much hotter than yeah, the it, rest of it's the... It's crazy. Yeah. It'll be a full 10 degrees hotter. Oh, sometimes more. Like, yeah. Like, Especially, like, because I like to take um, public transit, mm-hmm. and I'll walk to the North Hollywood Station sweating like crazy. Yeah. Get underground, go a few stops, come up Hollywood, Hollywood Western or something in Town, and come up and be like, I should have brought a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it absolutely. would be that different. It's crazy. Um, and so as the, as the characters are driving around in the valley, they keep every time the thermostat in their car, like goes up a degree, like they'll be talking them and they'll be like, they're like one Oh nine. And then they just, and they keep going. It's actually kind of an amusing moment, but it, it does speak to just like, there's a certain type of elitist attitude and there's just this understanding that it's just hotter here and it's just, yeah. Yeah. But in the, uh, in the eighties, the, the, the Valley does seem to stand in for a lot of that middle America suburb or mm-hmm. the any town USA, because you've got, uh, ET, which is, uh, yeah. um, mostly Northridge, I think. Although I think the, I, cause I looked it up today. Uh, the big like bike chase at the end, I think is actually in Porter ranch. Okay. Uh, from what I understand, uh, the bad news bears at chat Chatsworth, mm-hmm. uh, karate kid is of course, uh, Reseda, right? I believe that's Reseda. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, uh, Encino man, which is in Encino. That's a movie where the Valley actually plays itself. Karate mm-hmm. Kid, the Valley definitely plays itself. Yeah. Cause it's called the all Valley tournament. That's uh, right. <laughs> the, the tournament at the end, uh, which always makes me think of that Sklar brothers. Oh, bit. of course. Uh, yeah. Look, look that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> karate tournament traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, so I will say that, In in many of the movies that we've talked about, the valley it's not remarkably photogenic, uh, except in Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, Nightcrawler. Like Robert Ellswood is the DP for that, and granted the the you know the the characters they go all over the place but like the valley is featured very very prominently yeah um ventura boulevard especially but not not exclusively either like ventura boulevard is like the it's i'm i think people see it as like the lone place of sanity in the valley because it's as far south as you can get going over the hill yeah um and so just like because it's nighttime, so it's not immediately associated with heat. Um, so it's mostly nighttime, and the characters just driving around, and you just see like the lights and the, and I will say, as a, as as a, a Lyft driver, the valley does shut down pretty early, um, usually around eleven, hmm. uh, except for Ventura. Um, the valley. So if you're so if you're driving at three a.m. in the valley, it's empty. I mean, it mm-hmm. is. And so having this character who exists primarily at night drive around in the valley, uh, it it actually has an almost haunting quality to it because he is by himself, just out and out and around, just kind of prowling the streets. And I think that it's a it it makes the valley look actually very beautiful in a way that I haven't really seen any in any other films. Do you think um, that 
uh, we have, <laughs> so we talked about people in the basin looking down in the valley, but is there another level of, of, of elitism that we call the San Fernando Valley the valley when the San Gabriel Valley is also Los Angeles County? But it's not Los Angeles. It's right, Los Angeles exactly. County. Exactly. And then, of course, you got Simi Valley, which is in Ventura County. Right. Which is where um, I thought for sure when I was looking up, like, suburbs, I thought for sure Poltergeist would be the valley, but Poltergeist is Simi Valley. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, of course, uh, San Gabriel Valley is known for many things, but it's where San Dimas is. That's right. For Bill and Ted. Um, also a lot of the graduate is in the San Gabriel Valley. Hmm. Uh, I think, oh, I, I think, think the I, church is, yeah. uh, in yeah. like San Dimas, or like diamond bar or something. Anyway. Uh, so I only actually have, I'm sure, I think you have more than I do, but I have one other film. Okay. Uh, and it's, it is not a Valley movie, but, uh, the big Lebowski, um, right, which the is valley, there's one specific section uh, when they go to confront Larry uh, about his homework and about the nice car. And they decide they want to go to the in and out uh, uh, that his that the house is on Radford by the in and out burger. Yeah. And once I lived here, I'm like, I, it's like, absolutely. I know exactly where that is. Wait, which in and out are they talking about? I think they're talking about the one. I mean, he does, he does say North Hollywood. Yeah, so I think it's the, the one, one on Lancashire, yeah. which is very close. That's my in and out. Yeah. Very close to my, All right. my place. But yeah, it's not on Radford. Yeah. Right. No, the, okay. the house is on Radford by the in and out. But again, so says. you've got that thing you were talking about before where the character who lives there is a retired television writer. Yeah. You know, so you've got this, like the suburbs of the industry. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in the Valley. Uh, yeah, I've got a number of other movies I wanted to talk about. Um, I feel like even though Ridgemont high is a fake place, I feel like mm. fast times Ridgemont high is very much, uh, a Valley movie and kind yeah. of, I've never seen Valley girl, but I think like this, this eighties thing of the Valley representing, sort of middle America teenagers, you know, like mm-hmm. I mentioned cried a kid and I mentioned, I guess ET, they're a little bit younger. Um, but, uh, there was another one that I mentioned, I mean, back to the future. I'm not sure where that's supposed to be, but that's shot, uh, right. in, the, in the Valley. Um, and I feel like fast times have been high and, and maybe Valley girl, but again, I haven't seen it are kind of at the forefront of saying, uh, this is what, uh, regular America, American teen, like, you know, uh, people hang out at the mall in this case, the, uh, the, um, Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is, uh, still there. Um, looks very different than it Mm -hmm. (laughs) did in past centuries. Um, uh, Richmond high is, uh, Van Nuys high school, which, um, was used in something else. Um, but I can't remember which, what other movie, uh, used it now. um, but uh, I, I, I do feel like something about Ridgemont High in the book, because it was based on like a nonfiction book, mm-hmm. which I would think was a Valley High School. And so I think um, something about 1980s teenagedom was at least seen by a lot of people to be captured in the Valley. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe why we get so many things, uh, like karate kid. Um, yeah. And, and even go, you know, going into clueless. Now we haven't mentioned two days in the Valley, which I we, haven't seen. Actually, I saw it when I was in high school. I don't remember much, uh, about it, but just, I feel like it does get into the same thing of it being like something, some sort of purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 
Um, uh, yeah, let's, uh, we should probably wrap up pretty soon, but let's run down and see if there's anything else. I wrote down one just because again, I'm giving so many clues about my neighborhood, but, um, uh, the movie Internal Affairs, the Mike Figgis movie with Richard Gere oh, yeah. and uh, Andy Garcia and Laurie Metcalf. Great movie. I don't know if you've ever yes, saw I haven't. It. I've heard great things. Um, but they shot at the Silver Saddle Motel on Lancashire, which if you drive past it, you'll know it because it has a big horse, like a plexiglass oh, yeah, yeah. horse okay. over the like the front office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just it's just up the street from that the in and out near Radford. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Oh, how can I? not have mentioned one of the biggest Valley icons. And again, to examine my own elitism, Mm -hmm. I sometimes treat Burbank the way that the basin treats the Valley because Burbank is not Los Angeles. Right. Burbank is its own city. And so I do feel, I do treat that as more of a suburb. And it also, I will say because it's its own city, um, like you, I, I feel like you can actually tell when you cross from North Hollywood into Burbank, the houses are a little nicer. The, the lawns are a little nicer. Yeah. It's a little cleaner. Yeah. It feels more suburban. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely when you cross in on Burbank Boulevard, which is how I do it. Cause that's all yeah. you've got, uh, uh, your last, last chance to, uh, at North Hollywood is the Mucho Mas re- restaurant, the Mexican restaurant yeah. at, uh, Burbank. And is that pass? Um, or is that, um, Whitnell? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, then you cross and yeah, it immediately, there's like mm-hmm. green medians in the middle of the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But one of the, one of the biggest Valley icons, um, uh, and this is, this is what it says about the San Fernando Valley and Los Angeles in general, that our icons are a, a circus, uh, a, a liquor store clown yeah, and the Safari Inn on Burbank that's which right. played itself of course in true romance yeah um and it's uh, it's played um I know I mean another show uh CSI which took place ostensibly in Las Vegas mm-hmm. shot all over the valley and they used the safari in no. um which seemed like hasn't hasn't everyone seen true romance don't you know the safari motel motor in or whatever Brad Pitt <laughs> yeah, yeah. says um but yeah, that's uh, uh, that's when I um, the comic book store that I go to is literally almost literally right across the street from the Safari Inn. So I think about True Romance uh, every weekend when I go to pick up no. my my pull list. Um, uh, are there any other big uh, icons that you can think of? Oh, there's this the, one. There's the hand car wash, which is on Ventura, right? Um, which one is that? It's the. It's got like a hand. There's a like a big oh, yeah, fiberglass yeah, yeah. hand. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think if that's in any movies. Uh, another movie I wrote down that's fascinating to watch because it takes place in the valley before the valley was really what we think of as a valley, and that's Plan Nine from Outer Space, which takes place in San Fernando. Okay. But treats San Fernando as a small California town near Los Angeles. Whereas now San Fernando, I think, like I said, I think San Fernando is still separate, but you could, you drive, you don't have to like drive through fields or like country roads to get to San Fernando. It's all, it's all connected now. Um, and similarly in Chinatown, when they reference incorporating the Valley into the city, are they referencing the San Fernando Valley? Uh, you know, I don't know. Is that what the orange groves were? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah, because North Hollywood, what is now North 
Hollywood was called Lancashire, mm-hmm. um, which is the one of the main vein streets. Uh, it's where the in and out is, where the Silver Star Motel right. is, um, uh, named after the Lancashire farm. So, okay. uh, yeah, it probably is the, they probably are, are yeah. talking about that. So there's, you know, that heavily, in, uh, incorporates the, the Valley. Um, just not, That's uh, point. what you yeah, not think, what of we think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have any final thoughts on living in the Valley? Have we on this episode protested too much? Have we been, uh, uh, like, have we been begging people not to be so mean to our, uh, to our home in the valley. So I mean, I, I I also I don't have any illusions about the valley. I mean, I recognize what's fascinating to me is that, is that guy that said like people never leave. It's like well, they're not there aren't a lot of destinations in the valley. So if you do want to go somewhere notable, uh, <laughs> you leave. Um, and I've only ever lived in the valley, and it has worked out uh, fine with me. Um, there are. I will say that the Valley is in many ways less complicated, certainly from a driving standpoint, like you're not going to run across with one or two exceptions, maybe literally one or two exceptions. You're not going to run across a lot of like one way streets or anything okay. like that, that you would find like downtown yeah. or, or something like that. So and you've got more parking, but not as much not as, there as could be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially where I, cause I, because I live, um, all right, we're going to get specific again. I live in North Hollywood, as I yeah. said, which is not the a not the northern part of Hollywood as people think. And also not it actually is. north of Hollywood. It's north of West Hollywood, but because the 101 runs runs at an angle, mm. it feels like it's north of Hollywood because yeah. you just go up the 101, but you're actually north of West Hollywood. North Hollywood uh, couldn't be more of a misnomer in every single way <laughs> because it'd be one thing if it uh wasn't actually north of Hollywood, but uh but there are a lot of like little studios there. It's like, oh, this is like North Hot. No, <laughs> yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's not a production hub. <laughs> it is not. Um, but uh, but the other thing, North Hollywood also goes. It goes north for a long. Like I live um, pretty close to the s- southern mm-hmm. end of North Hollywood, and I live where the North Hollywood train, the the subway stop yeah. is. So um, I even feel like my neighborhood is kind of not that valley ish because because it's right off of this the the train especially in the in the newly decade now uh coming up on nine years that i've lived there mm-hmm. um that area around the train has been built up into a lot of restaurants and bars yeah. we have a uh a, a movie theater that's semi art house semi mainstream yeah um it's kind of a hip neighborhood so yeah parking wise my neighborhood's not great i'm lucky right that my wife that we have two parking spots at our uh at our apartment and in my neighborhood parking is terrible but that's just because one house uh like one family owns like eight cars that they just leave on the street because they also own four cars uh that we never see because that's what's taking up their actual like parking spots uh it's you hate these people i hate these people so much uh well that's the valley for you boy it sure Uh, is if only you could leave but apparently you're not allowed to no and i will say as far as landmarks i do think dr hoggly woggly's tyler texas barbecue deserves to be one i thought for sure you were going to say the d's cuts barbershop well that's true that's right around the corner (laughs) you know it's just like oh this uh my ridiculous haircut from d's cuts yeah uh, has gotten me hungry where am i gonna go oh i'll just go over to uh dr hoggly woggly's yeah a lot of weird names actually in my neighborhood now that i think about it 
yeah but uh if nothing if nothing else that we can do uh hopefully do brody stevens a service by saying come to the valley come visit the valley absolutely there is good food there's a uh, the television academy building <laughs> over That's there right. yeah uh, um they have a beautiful theater i've only been in there once mm. um what else is there <laughs> there are a number of uh community colleges that i apply to yeah there are beautiful um, parks yes uh places to to jog mm-hmm. um there's murals there's there's uh universal studios oh yeah universal studios and warner brothers and disney That's are right. all uh and cbs radford and uh yeah like there are i mean yes studio city certainly understandably so uh uh is much more production oriented but it is mm-hmm. still technically the valley and so uh universal studios has the wizarding world of harry potter which i went to last week and it was yeah. uh delightful so you can get butter beer now, in I, the valley i was reading on a website today how do you get your butterbeer when you get it uh what do you mean because apparently there how are do three I, how do i take it yeah apparently you can get it like as a cold glass of mm-hmm. you know whatever you can get a frozen version right or you can get it hot in like a coffee cup uh yeah last uh last week it was chilly uh-huh. when i was there so i got the hot kind and so this thing i was reading today says that's the way to go that was their, that was their favorite of the of the ways. I think my favorite is my least favorite is just the regular cold. Okay. I definitely I've had it and it's like this is pretty good, but there's something about like that flavor that lends itself to either hot or frozen. Yeah, um, I think my preference is is frozen, uh, especially on a warm day. But uh, yeah, hot uh, did the trick. And also, so Universal Studios unlike disney mm-hmm. you can get alcohol there yes now you can't order butter beer with alcohol in it but if you take your butter beer to a bar they will pour a shot in it for you oh, I mean, you, have to, you have to pay again yeah but they will pour a shot in it for you i did not know that uh yeah, yeah. you cannot make any changes at wizarding world to your butter beer at all like it is the beverage itself is trademarked the look is trademarked the recipe is trademarked so like it has like f- foam on the top and the foam uh, has an ingredient that some people are allergic to so they've asked like can i get it without the fo- foam and they say no you cannot i'm sorry jk rowling gave us very specific instructions because yeah, they don't want any instagram photos out there without the foam on that's it, probably true. yeah because it probably looks less appetizing. Uh, that's true, and the foam is delicious. But you know, especially you know what that's that that is what the frozen butter beer has over the warm butter beer is that the foam itself also freezes and becomes uh, a bit more solid and is uh, somehow more delicious. Uh, last bit, yes. As far as food, I forgot to mention right just on the other side of Vineland from the creepy uh, mm-hmm. clown is tucked away in the corner of a strip mall is a Lebanese place called Hyatt's kitchen. That is, uh, among the best food in the city, not just the Valley. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you come to the Valley, look me up, we'll go to Hyatt's kitchen. Well, and there is also, there's the Iliad bookstore. Yes. That's also North great. Hollywood. Great. Uh, used bookstore. And then along Ventura Boulevard, there is actually some very good shopping and some good restaurants as well. And more and more good restaurants all the time. Mm-hmm. Ventura Boulevard has become a place for, uh, 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 more and more sort of, uh, somewhat well-known chefs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are places like, uh, 
Um, you've got the black market liquor bar. You've got the, uh, there's another place that I really like and I'm now drawing a blank on. I feel bad. Uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good food along Ventura. I just went to black market liquor bar, oh. uh, for Valentine's day and it's wonderful. Yeah. I love it. I love like the minute I walked in from the lighting to the, the, architecture i just absolutely loved being there and just spending time there and it was while i was there we can't do it now because we're saving it for a patreon episode but uh a uh, had a celebrity sighting somebody came in oh, and sat right it. next to me and jen and it was a big it was a bigger deal for her than it was for me but it was a big deal for both of us so um, stay tuned i guess awesome and uh, I was hoping that before I signed off, I could remember the place of this other restaurant to recommend it, but I can't remember what it's called now. Okay. Oh, son of a... Oh, the Bellwether. The Bellwether oh, okay. is also really good. Okay, so we've uh, uh, we've done this rambling episode, much like a Brody Stevens set, right. but with not, nowhere near as much energy. Yeah. But we are both 818 till we die. That's right. Uh, enjoy it. You got it. Feeling good, positive energy. <laughs> yes. Um, rest in peace, Brody Stevens. Indeed. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 